0: When you hear Big Bird, what do you think about? Well, there could be several things that pop up. For a lot of us, it's probably the lovable yellow character from the iconic Sesame Street TV show that we watched as children. Maybe you conjure in your brain an image of an ostrich or emu, currently the world's largest flightless birds. Maybe it's scarier. Perhaps it's predatory birds, like one of the various types of eagles around the world. Some eagle species are so big and powerful that they can weigh an upwards of 20 pounds and have a 9 foot wingspan. They have been seen lifting coyotes off the ground and can easily make a snack of the family cat or small dog. All of these are understandable depending on your age or where you're located around the world. If you happen to reside in the Midwest United States, it's possible that you imagine something much larger and way more terrifying. You think about a carnivorous predator with a wingspan 20 plus feet, a ravenous beast that might pass up the family feline and instead turn you into a meal. Sightings by people over the centuries, Native American legends, prehistoric evidence, and a story of an attempted child theft surround this cryptid. Today we're discussing the terror of the skies, the Thunderbird. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. Yeah, it was literally the exact same layout as Caddy. <laughs> <laughs> that that was better than Caddy. Well, good, good. That was very good. Well, this one's more scary, so get people all like, uh, you know, all that stuff. But oh, I'm all like, uh, right now. Uh, yep. Yeah. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, guys. I'm Jake, and I'll be doing the subject for tonight, and we are talking about the Thunderbird. But before we get into that. I'm joined by Jeremy and Island Boy Hefe. Uh, As it says here on the screen, (laughs) new guy Jeff, how are you boys doing tonight? Doing good.
1: (laughs) Doing pretty good, man, here on the island,
0: chilling. (laughs) What part of Jamaica? The part right by the beach, boy. (laughs) (laughs) That is from Half Baked. Um, That was Dave Chappelle's part. All right, that was a perfect, so perfect uh call it you did a good job <laughs> so what are you guys uh what are your initial thoughts on the Thunderbird like do you know a lot about it a little bit about it uh, I am
2: I know what I know I can't say that I know a lot but I probably know more than the average Joe I have my opinions
1: I'll, I'm I'll looking stay with at that pictures on DuckDuckGo image search right now, and that's about as much as I know. (laughs) Not Google?
0: Absolutely not. (laughs) Alrighty, so I have this thing broken down into pretty much the same format as Caddy. We're going to talk about the description, the native lore, then uh, sightings, and then animals that this could be. Um, I hope that people that listen to Caddy like that kind of breakdown of it. Um, that's just how I choose to go about it. And, you know, I think that we're going to have some pretty good discussion on this and I don't know, maybe we'll decide on if it's real or not. You know, I'm also reserving my, uh, my opinion to the end, but there's certainly quite a bit of evidence and I can't wait to jump into it. So if you two are ready, we'll get right in ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. All right. So the description, so a lot of sightings, whole Bunch of sightings over a couple centuries, um, but pretty much if you were to get a um, an average of all the different sightings, you'd have something like this, and it's that the colors are ranging anywhere from black to brown and gray, depending on uh, if they're uh, older or they could just be gray in general, and generally they're seen with a white feathery fluff around the base of their necks, much like a vulture. Their wingspan is anywhere from 9 to 70 feet wide. They have large black eyes. Sometimes the beaks are reported to be hooked, and sometimes they're not. They have short, strong legs, and they're essentially, in most circumstances, they would be seen as like a massive eagle even though sometimes they kind of have that vulture-like appearance. So when we get into the native lore side of this sort of thing, there is pretty much every single native tribe that existed in the Midwest had legends for the Thunderbird. Not exclusively the Midwest, You know, there was ones in California and Washington and in areas of um, the southern Canada area and then going into the East Coast. But there was literally like every single Native American tribe in the Midwest had a description of the Thunderbird, stories for the Thunderbird. So they were known in legends surrounding these Native Americans and they were described as gigantic, colorful birds, which had been observed in some stories catching whales off the coast and carrying them off to their nests, as well as sometimes the occasional person. And uh, some tribes gave them like attributes like they are, were the cause of thunder and lightning. When they flapped their wings, they would be, that would be the thunderclaps, and they'd shoot lightning out of their eyes and stuff. And then other tribes would say that, honestly, they were really nothing more than just an ordinary, though gigantic, animal. Whatever the circumstances, they're widely discussed. Um, And also, if you've ever seen a depiction of a totem pole, oftentimes the Thunderbird is used as a top cap for those totem poles. So that big bird at the top, that's a Thunderbird and i'm going to butcher these names i'm going to do my best but certainly there's going to be a couple names i'm going to butcher but i want to give you an example of the amount of native american tribes that i'm i'm talking about so there's the salishan in the pacific northwest and canadian southwest the algonquin which consists of the ojibwa potawatomi micmac malachite Ossipee and Blackfoot in the Midwest and the East Coast U.S. and then also Southern and Eastern Canada, the Wakashan in Western British Columbia, the Alaskan Inuit. They also had their own um, legends and lore about these things. The uh, Penutian in the Western United States, the Cherokee in Oklahoma, the Ho Chunk in the Midwest, Navajo in Arizona. And the uto aztecan tribes, which is the Paiute, the Shoshone, Serrano, Tataviam, and Tongva in the southern states and South America. So that's just to name a few. Like, there was just tons of tribes that had their own legends and lore, which I really like legends and lore. When it comes to the reality of an animal existing... And my research going into it, it really helps if the people that lived here prior to us living here had stories about it. Uh, I know that obviously a lot of cultures around the world, they have their own versions of mythology, and that is something. And sometimes that mythology is based in actual events. Sometimes it's to explain certain things and sometimes a lot of that mythology or that those stories and those legends are based off of actual real animals that either did exist or do exist. Um, say like, it would be like the Fox jumps across the mountains to grab the moon and pull it back or something like that. The Fox, and the moon, they're the real things, but this is just describing when the moon comes up and the sun goes down and all that sort of stuff. Right. But when I'm like looking into all this stuff, I really enjoy the native lore native sightings aspect of cryptozoology because for me in in that regard i can really get a good clear grasp of even as like a a biblical person i think that human beings and a lot of these animals that we see in fossils existed alongside each other at some point Uh, maybe not as far back as science would tell you that they did but why couldn't uh, massive birds that lived in the ice age or prehistoric times have been passed down through oral tradition from actual issues that people had with them. And, you know, that really sets itself apart when it comes to other cryptids that we may have in the United States versus ones that could actually be based in some kind of reality. So I have a couple of these native American stories. They're pretty paraphrased. I would encourage people to go and look them up, but they're very interesting, too. So there's this one. It's the uh, the Ho-Chunk legend of a Thunderbird stealing a boy. And so there's once an orphan boy that lived in a village with his grandmother. He had a friend that he would hunt with. He went into the woods to make arrows to hunt hawks with. And while they were out, they found a young pigeon hawk, and he took it home with them where it became his pet. When it was fully grown, he set it free to go make its own way. A while later, the boy and his friend were out in the woods again, but they had become separated, and the boy was stuck in like a really creepy, foggy area. While he was lost in the fog, a thunderbird saw him and swooped down, grabbing him in its talons and took the boy onto its, its mountaintop nest. The thunderbird and his friends decided they were going to eat the boy, But it turned out that the chief of the Thunderbirds was the big brother to the pigeon hawk that the boy had raised. The pigeon hawk helped the boy escape, and then he was returned home by the chief of the Thunderbirds, and his grandmother and his friend were overjoyed to have him back, and then there was a feast to celebrate his return. It was a very short summation of that story, and it it wasn't too crazy long, it wasn't like a book, but it was a nice read, and I would... Uh, and that's what it was titled Ho Chunk Legend of Thunderbird Stealing a Boy and we'll, obviously this will be you know the the link for this website where i got these uh these stories will be inside of inside of the description so that people can check it out and it's like native nativelegends.com but it was it was interesting it was uh it was kind of cute it was uh you know that the animals were given a uh humanistic quality to them And it was, you know, an actually really well done legend or story that I don't know how long it was passed down or what the when it was come up with, I guess, and what the uh, extent of it being an oral story was or if it was like written down somewhere. I, I don't have that sort of information, but I do. I did like it as just a story in general. So the Shawnee also had stories of the Thunderbirds. Uh, they said that the storms were caused by the birds fighting with evil spirits like the Great Horned Serpent and others. And when they blinked their eyes, they caused lightning to flash and that the Thunderbirds guarded the entrance to heaven. The Sioux people said that they were noble creatures and protected humans from the... Uh, I had this when I wrote this down. Unk unctahela, Unk Tehila, which were dangerous reptile monsters... That uh, <laughs> attacked people, and if you look up that in Google, it looks a lot like a—I don't know, like a human version of a reptile, like a lizard person. So I figured that Jeff would love that.
1: <laughs> What's that called? Can you can you type that in the chat here? So I can? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I got you. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Where was that said to be
0: from? That was the Sioux people.
2: The stew, so that's North Dakota,
0: I believe. So,
1: Dakota area,
0: oh, yeah, straight reptilian dude, right? And I have it, I, I had it in parentheses right here. I said, uh, Jeff is gonna love this, <laughs> that's awesome, right? So, I was like, well, that's that's very, very fitting. But so, there's just a few examples, right? Uh, of the legends surrounding the Thunderbird and kind of what the tribes people were saying about them. What do you guys think when it comes to oral traditions of pretty much the first people that existed in this area, and what they may say about these sorts of things?
1: I personally tend to think that those types of oral stories of of all kinds of different things, I, I think there's some truth to them. I don't think that mm-hmm. you know people uh, going back hundreds or even thousands of years would just make up things out of nothing now i'm not saying that all the stories are 100 true because there's a lot of like crazy shit in some of those stories but i think that they come up with these these fables and these stories because there's some truth somewhere to it so i mean could be man i find that when you're taking into consideration
2: the native stories that if the range of the story is widespread like such of those as bigfoot and thunderbird you have to take more consideration into the creature itself. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of things like Jeff was saying, the native Americans have these stories that are obviously built in fable, right? They're, they're not, they're not real. They're there to, to tell a story, to, to, to tell a lesson, learn a lesson, you know, Uh, but there are stories such as the ones where they have about known animals and part of our job here on the infinite rabbit hole and other people's, you know, that are cryptozoologists or into the paranormal Mm -hmm. is their job is to decipher which one of these are meant to tell a story and which one of these are, are meant to tell of a creature. So when you have something like this, you, 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 you first look to see where the range is. The range checks out with the Thunderbird, right? The Thunderbird is talked about all, of, not it's not even just in North America. There are, there are stories of creatures flying through the skies throughout the entire world. Mm-hmm. Some places call them dragons. Some places refer to them as, I, I believe they're called Chantras, which was, I want to say, a Middle Eastern creature. Um, forgive me if I'm incorrect. I don't have the note that in front of me. I'm going off the top of my head with that, but the the moral of the story is is that these things were talked about for a very long time, even outside of the United States, but especially since we're talking about the Thunderbird and that's kind of our our homeboy here. Mm-hmm. You're talking about all over North America, Mexico, yeah, United States, Canada, everywhere. There are there are legends of gigantic flying birds, and when you have that kind of spread and then you have reports modern reports when i when i say modern i mean the last 100 or so years mm-hmm. of this creature flying through the air and now you have two coincidences right you have a bunch of crazy people that are seeing these gigantic flying birds and then you have a bunch of natives that are also talking about it all over the continent well maybe it's not that crazy right um maybe this is something that we need to look into so that's that's where i take native lore or that's how i take native lore i take it with a grain of salt until everything aligns perfectly as it does here with the thunderbird
0: yeah i mean i i agree with all of those points and for me it's like so i mean obviously we have pretty much every nation or every country in the world whatever the original like when people were first moving around whatever the original country was whatever it was called they all seem to have their own unique type of um mythologies and legends and they vary quite drastically right like uh up in the celtic regions you know up in scotland ireland you know the english area it was all fairies and and dragons and gnomes and elves and that kind of stuff, and then you get down to Greece, which isn't really that far away and it's uh you know a Minotaur inside of the labyrinth, and it's just like they have their very unique style of mythologies and stuff and those dis those the distance between those two areas is not that crazy far, right. And uh, and it gets, it, it, you know, all these different countries have their own various forms of mythology, and none of them really intersect too much. Like, maybe there's a couple coincidences where they're just like, okay, you know, it seems like that could be this. But we're talking about, like, currently, you know, three totally separate nations whose people in the, um, you know, before these were their own countries had this same sort of story giving names i I looked i looked it up like i couldn't have pronounced really any of those names from all these different tribes that they had and so instead i wrote down the tribes themselves but they had their own name that co uh coincided with their own legends of the exact same thing and this was (laughs) 50 different people groups that i that i found right off the bat that were spread out amongst hundreds or thousands of miles, just like, you know, and it's like it gives a lot more of a credit to that either at one point, these things were alive and only one people group existed in that area or a couple and they were in the same area and then they spread from there or these things have been around for a really long time and they're still around and All these guys have the same names for their own for the same thing because they've all seen it separately in separate instances. But either way, for me, right off the bat, it leads to there has to be some kind of truth to this. Either there's there they were and now they're not, or they were and they still are. Neither of those two things lead to me of eh, it's just a story. Nah, it's just a legend. It's just a way to explain things. So, yeah, I agree with what you're saying on all points. Well, if you guys are ready, we will get into the sightings and incidences. Incidents. Let's do it, man. Okay. Let's go. So the way I have this thing broken down is I started, it's all going to be in year groups. So a year group, and then I have the uh, sightings inside that year because there was a lot of sightings. So I pretty much just compiled about 15 of them. And I separated them by their year groups. And then I have where they're at and, you know, what the month and day was if, if it was provided. So just to get this thing started, Thunderbird sightings have been reported for hundreds of years. Of course, that's what we just went over. The Native Americans had plenty of storage for these creatures, but with such a large amount of sightings over the centuries and some of them rather high profile, it's hard to chalk them up to all just stories. So in 1879, Glacier National Park, Montana, four giant birds were seen on Chief Mountain by a native woman named Mary and her white husband. In 1897, Blackfoot Indian Reserve, Southern Portion, a large bird was seen soaring through the sky by a native man named Big Crow and his wife. In 1948, April 4th, Alton, Illinois, Colonel Walter F. Siegmund claimed to see a giant bird and had mistaken it for an airplane. He said, quote, at first I thought there was something wrong with my eyesight, but it was definitely a bird and not a glider or jet plane. But from movements of the object and its size, I figured it could only be a bird of tremendous size, end quote and several witnesses around the same time and area reported seeing this huge plane-sized bird. In 1975, two police deputies in Harlingen, Texas, saw a massive bird with a 10-foot wingspan glide over their police car. In 1976, two teen girls, Tracy Lawson and Jackie Davies, in Harlingen, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Harlingen, Texas were playing and they said they saw a five foot tall bird staring at them in their yard. Their parents investigated the next day and found three toed prints outside that measured eight inches across. Same year, Brownsville, Texas, a man named Alverco Guajardo reported having something slam into his trailer on the night of January 6th. He went out to see what it was and found himself face to face with a massive bird that he described as, quote, a bird, but like it was from another planet, end quote. Raymondville, Texas, January 14th, Armando Grimaldo was sitting outside enjoying a cigarette when he heard the sound of flapping wings. Suddenly he was attacked by a massive bird that scratched him up and tore his clothes and he was taken to Willesee County Hospital while in a state of shock. Brownsville and Poteen, Texas, January 18th, a massive bird was spotted both by two girls at a watering hole and two soldiers at a ranch in two separate different areas, so it was two different birds. In 1977, this is the famous one, this is the one that everyone really knows about, 1977, July 25th, the famous Lawndale, Illinois incident. Two large birds were reported to have attacked a 10-year-old boy named Marlon Lowe while he was playing outside. It was 8 10 p.m. and his mother Ruth was inside cleaning up in the kitchen after dinner as he was playing in the backyard. As Marlin played two giant birds swooped out of the sky and started chasing him and pecking his shoulders. His mother was alerted to the commotion after she heard his screams from inside. She ran outside witnessing the attack and went to her child's aid. As she approached one of the birds grabbed Marlon by his shirt and lifted him lifted the almost 60-pound boy approximately two feet off the ground and proceeded to carry him 35 feet while his mother ferociously attacked the bird until it dropped her son. The defeated birds then flew away, and the Lowe's rushed to the police station to report the incident. Ruth's description of the birds in the police statement said, It had a white ring around its foot-long neck. The rest of its body was very black. The bird's bill was six inches in length and hooked at the end. The claws on its feet were arranged with three in front and one in the back. Each wing, less the body, was four feet at the very least. The entire length of the bird's body, from beak to tail, feather, was approximately four and one-half feet. End quote. They were laughed at of the police station and ridiculed by their neighbors. Marlin was then known as Bird Boy by his classmates, and people would often throw dead pigeons at their house. Can we talk about... Uh, the lawndale incident real quick. yeah, we can talk
2: about it. sorry I was I was talking and I <laughs> didn't realize I was on mute oh man <laughs> I was trying I was trying so here's here's the thing, right I how old was Marlon though? Uh, 10. Okay, so you have to go by the average weight of a ten year old male human, right? 40 to 90 pounds so we'll just go with the middle here 70 pounds okay okay now have you ever done a a look because what's best described there is a vulture okay they have the white ring around their neck this is like the stereotypical vulture black white ring huge how much can a vulture carry do you know not very much not that much but we do have a bird that's known to carry a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the bald eagle. Because this is probably the most common raptor. Right. Flying, flying hunting bird that most people know of, right? hmm You know how much it can carry? No. So it's said that they can carry up to about 20 and sometimes, if needed, 30 pounds. So, even the biggest bald eagles, which weigh between 8 to 12 pounds, so you have to take that into consideration too, right? And they can't carry that kind of weight for very long. Now, you said that this this creature was struggling, right? And, I mean, I don't want to jump too far forward on you, but the the Lawndale incident is the incident. Like that is, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, this is the one that everyone knows. This is the holy grail, if, if you will, of modern Thunderbird sightings. And if you're not familiar with zoology mm-hmm. or uh, ancient zoology, prehistorical zoology, there was a gigantic version of the turkey vulture.
0: Man, you're jumping like ten sections. Am I jumping? Yeah, you're you're bad. All right, all right. Well stop. I I agree with you, but no, there's this one See, this one made me think because in the heat of the moment, a lot of your brain could tell you a lot of things are going on that aren't really going on. Like the bird picking him up and carrying him. It's quite possible that in the middle of trying to fight this bird off that I I don't have any reason to doubt that, you know, because, jeez, I used to have these giant crows that lived behind my house. They were massive. They'd dive-bomb my dogs when they are outside trying to take a dump. They would just start going after them like crazy. And eventually, one day, they just moved on, right? But birds can be aggressive for whatever reason, whether it's food or, you know, maybe a nest is nearby, They can be aggressive. They can attack people. They can attack pets. It's quite possible that, sure, two big birds that look like vultures or had that white ring around their neck attacked Marlin. Is it possible that those birds that at most can carry half of his weight, you know, if it's a giant bald eagle, um, picked him up and carried him? Not really. Not if we're not if we're looking at what we know exists, right? No. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. And it would look so, like in the heat of the moment it could be that it seemed like he was being carried, and maybe the story was embellished slightly. Right. Um if we look at did, that.
2: They did say that he only came off the ground about two feet, but he just dragged for thirty feet or something along those lines, right? Right. So real quick, I want to fix uh my false statement so i went to the very first page of google
3: Mm. Mm.
2: yeah the worst right yeah it's bad and jeff will tell you that that 20 to 30 pounds was really wrong i just found four sources in a row that actually put their carrying and lifting power at only three to four pounds for a bald eagle
0: whoa so yeah definitely incorrect
2: (laughs) definitely incorrect but yeah so Let's just say that something was able to take a seventy pound young boy and carry
0: it two feet off the ground. Well, you'd have to look at the extra. You couldn't look at what we already know to exist right now. You'd have to look at extra sources. Absolutely not. That's why this is such a good story for the Thunderbird. Because it's easy to it's and like you were saying, and we'll get into it later, there were animals that existed in the United States that would have absolutely had the ability to do this. Um,
2: there was a couple of them.
0: Yeah. But right now, if we're, if, you know, if it's a police officer you're talking to and your boy was just picked up and the only things they have to go off of is the natural right now of bald eagles or vultures based on the description and, you know, maybe how quickly you saw it or if you actually saw that, you know, it just, it would make no sense, especially if you were in an area where it's known for having bald eagles or vultures. Um, well, I'll yeah. go
2: ahead and hold my tongue
0: until then. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this incident in itself does give weight to the legend of the Thunderbird. And our listeners will we'll get to hear more about that later. And we could really break this thing down with new information. Jeff, you got anything?
1: Uh, nope, I'm tracking. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Imagine every time I ask ask Jeff or whatever, he's like, Mike muted, eating a bag of chips and stuff, and he just quickly licks off his fingers. No, 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 I'm, I'm good, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I'm eating
1: chocolate right now.
0: Oh, uh, okay, yeah, see, see? Mm. I know what's up. Yeah. I, gotta, I gotta clear out all that Christmas <laughs> candy. Well, I still got the chance. Oh, yeah, that's fair. So, I do have a little portion here about the Native Americans in Illinois, and it's called the Native Cahokia Tribe. And they had... Legends of the Thunderbird as well, um, in really the same area that this took place. But their version of the Thunderbird was very different. And actually, they they used to have really old painting on the side of a cliff. Um, and it was actually discovered first, like a person outside the tribe, it was discovered first by a Jesuit missionary named jack marquette Uh, he was traveling through the area with his group and he journaled about it saying we came upon one of two painted monsters which at first made us afraid and upon which the boldest savages dare not long rest their eyes they're as large as a calf have horns on their heads like those of a deer a horrible look red eyes a beard like a tiger's a face a face somewhat like a man's a body covered in scales and so long a tail that it winds around the body, passing above the head and going back between the legs, ending in a fish's tail. And though it appeared to be some kind of a, this is end quote, though it appeared to be some kind of reptile-bird hybrid, it was a terrifying image and would most certainly have been a warning to those passing through the area if there was a flying monster in the area. The original painting has long been destroyed by weather uh, or vandalism or both, but it was redrawn near the original spot, but if you if you google that, native Cahokia tribe uh, Thunderbird, like it's a crazy mythological monster that they drew on the side of this cliff, but if I'm thinking about it the way that all of these tribes had a Thunderbird story. It could have been possible that that may have been just a warning sign of like a monster lives here. You know, and obviously a lot of the, the details were fancifully drawn and described. But it would have been a tremendous warning if you had just happened to be passing through that area. Maybe, um, I mean, because we don't really have any reference or any um, context to go off of maybe that was some kind of a hey if you when you see this beast drawn on the side of this cliff you know that you're in the territory of you know whatever we call the thunderbird but anyway I thought that it was interesting that that painting on that cliff face was pretty much in the same area as the Lawndale incident
2: that is interesting I'll hold my tongue still,
0: unless you're going to talk about a beast that just looks exactly like that. <laughs> Alrighty, moving on. In 2002, now we're getting into like the more more recent type stuff. This was October, Togiak, and Manokotoa. Mano, Mano, Kotak, Manukotak, Alaska. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try that again. October- That's good enough for government work, dude. Oh, man, that was, that was rough. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I can't pronounce these things, man. Anyway, it was in Alaska. Villagers saw a large bird with a 14-foot wingspan. See, all of that for that. In 2007, January, San Antonio, Texas, a man named Guadalupe Cantu III and his brother-in-law saw a man-sized bird perched on a telephone pole while driving their newspaper route, and described it as, quote, this thing's all feathers, all black, much bigger than me. It looked at us. It had, a very, it had very stooped up shoulders, end quote. 2013, May, Brian, Brian Athen Castle, Pennsylvania. Two friends saw a four-foot-tall bird fly from one tree to another in the woods. They said it had a wingspan of at least 10 feet wide. 2018, January, Alaska. A woman was driving and saw a bird that she said had a wingspan as wide as the road. I don't believe in my research that I got the story of Big Bird. I had Tracy Lawson and Jackie Davis. I had Alverco uh, Guajardo and then Armando Grimaldo
2: um so the the big bird incidents it wasn't necessarily uh one particular incident like the Lawndale incident it was a cluster of incidents right and basically this was a creature that looked to have had a bald head and one person even identified the face as looking like that of a human um but this bird was huge it actually you know Believe it or not, this actually is very similar to what a lot of people say the Mothman uh, looks like in physical description Hmm. with the red glowing eyes, the man looking face, the lack of a neck Mm -hmm. uh, standing five to six feet tall, gray, sometimes black. Uh, This was this was something that, you know, may have been a later feature of the Mothman, which is made mostly around 1966 and 1967 in the Ohio Valley area of northern uh, West Virginia. Um, so, yeah, the, the big, big bird was a name given to a flying creature. And also around that area, there have been reports of, of flying reptiles, such as uh, what people are calling pterosaurs. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure we're gonna get into that a little bit later as well, but yeah the the big bird incident is uh is is probably the second most famous thunderbird incident in America, but you gotta realize it's not just one incident it is a cluster of them
0: right. So I do have one more. This one was actually incredibly cool. I don't think that this is a Thunderbird. Um honestly I I don't I'm not certain if this is even real. But if it is, it I don't think it's a Thunderbird at all. And instead seems at least it doesn't doesn't match many of the Thunderbird sightings. If you do a Google search or I'm sure a duck duck go search, Jeff, for a uh, Thunderbird, <laughs> you <laughs> will find a number of different people and their sightings a couple of the things that people sometimes mention is bat-like wings and no feathers and that sort of stuff and honestly it seems like they are describing some kind of a pterodactyl and honestly that that would definitely be a great episode for another time so what you kind of have to filter through the thunderbird can be a number of different things. There could be a flying pterodactyl out there, why not? You know, there could be a thunderbird out there, you know, why not? A giant flying um raptor. But you uh you have to distinguish the two. But this is this article is pretty cool and I think it describes more of a dinosaur. But this is from 1890. This is an article from 1826. Or April 26, 1890. And this is from a local newspaper in Tombstone, Arizona, called the Tombstone Epitaph. And they published this story about a flying creature that was found in the desert. And I found a clipping of the original paper. And it will be in our links for the description. So you guys can pull that thing up and you can blow it up and zoom in. And you can even read a person's ad from 1890 about embalming. Like it's, you know, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy piece of history. Like I'm I'm shocked that there was a picture of it. I thought that I was going to get a quote, but I end up copying the entire thing and I'm going to read it out. Um, but of course, please go up in there and look at the article itself because it, it is very cool. And I do like the way that they wrote it out. It's very eloquently put. And this is titled, A Strange Winged Monster Discovered and Killed in the Huachuca Desert.
2: Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break.
0: Quote, A winged monster resembling a huge alligator with an extremely elongated tail and an immense pair of wings was found in the desert between whetstone and and Huachuca Mountains last Sunday by two ranchers who were returning home from the Huachucas. The creature was evidently greatly exhausted by a long flight and, when discovered, was able to fly but a short distance at a time. After the first shock of wild amazement that passed the two men, who were on horseback and armed with Winchester rifles, regained sufficient courage to pursue the monster and, after an exciting chase of several miles, succeeded in getting near enough to open fire with their rifles and wounding it. The creature then turned on the men, but owing to its exhausted condition, they were able to keep out of its way, and after a few well-directed shots, the monster partly rolled over and remained motionless. The men cautiously approached, their horses snorting in terror, and found that the creature was dead. They then proceeded to make an examination and found it measured about 92 feet in length, and the greatest diameter was about 50 inches. The monster had only two feet, these being situated a a short distance in front of where the wings were joined to the body. The head, near as they could judge, was about eight feet long, the jaws being thickly set with strong, sharp teeth. Its eyes were as as, as large as a dinner plate and protruded about halfway from the head. They had some difficulty measuring the wings as they were partly folded under the body but finally got one straightened out sufficiently to get a measurement of 78 feet, making the total length from tip to tip about 160 feet. The wings were composed of thick and nearly transparent membrane and were devoid of feathers or hair, as was the entire body. The skin of the body was comparatively smooth and easily penetrated by a bullet. The men cut off a small portion of the tip of one wing and took it home with them. Late last night, one of them arrived in the city for supplies to make necessary preparations to skin the creature when the hide will be sent east for examination by the eminent scientists of the day. The finder returned early this morning, accompanied by several prominent men who will endeavor to bring the strange creature to the city before it's mutilated. Now, as you can see, I don't think this is describing a giant uh, eagle or a giant vulture. It definitely sounds no. like they're describing some sort of a flying reptile. But this is, you know, there's
2: two sides of the coin for the Thunderbird, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people will throw the word out Thunderbird for anything in the sky. Um, be it reptilian or avian, right? Mm-hmm. This where did you
0: say this was from? This is cool. This is tombstone, Arizona. Yeah, this was uh, well the the Huichucan Desert, and it's spelled H A U C H U C A. It's pronounced Wachuka.
2: There is something down there. They're like something gliders, I think, down in that area. That this sounds like it could be. But let's talk about let's talk about this for a minute because I I know you want to move on, but this is this <laughs> yeah, is interesting for sure. You know what this sounds like to me? This mm. sounds like one of two things. This sounds like a Quetzal.
0: I, I know, right? It does. It Really does.
2: <laughs> uh, that's the which first for, thing I thought about. <laughs> yeah, this uh, for anybody who's. Uh, I don't. I don't think that the full name is Quetzalcoatl. I know. I know what you're talking about, Jeff, and that's like. Uh, uh, um, Latin American yes. lore, right? It's a right?
0: Quetzal. Uh, coatless. Quetzalcoatlus,
2: Quetzalcoatlus, uh, yeah. or Quetzalcoatlus or something. Yeah, yeah. Forty um, foot wingspan. Yeah, these these giant pterosaurs. Right, think of a pterodactyl, ter- mm-hmm. uh, but much much bigger. The biggest thing ever to fly and scientists now will look at fossils of the quetzal and look at it and scratch their heads as as to how this thing could even fly so there's actually a lot of um there's a lot of arguments going on right now or not necessarily right now but there has been a lot of arguments of whether or not the quetzal could even fly or if it was a land uh landlocked flying creature our landlocked oh, creature with wings yeah. kind of like a penguin but big and reptilian right like a like a pterodactyl right um another thing that this kind of reminds me of if you take away the size because i'm not exactly how how big it was but another cryptid um out in the eastern portion of the united states in maryland the snallygaster. um i know some people who know of the snallygaster, um, we'll hear this and be like dude you're off your rocker this is not a snallygaster just think of like the minute details that jake just put out and some of this lines up very similar to w- what people are or what people did um describe as the snallygaster now the snallygaster was more of like a a dragon type creature um and Real quick, while we're on the topic of dragons, I'm looking in my book again. This is from Chasing American Monsters by Jason Offowit in Arizona. When did you say this was? 1890. Okay, so that's actually exactly what's right here in this book. Uh, They actually have this listed as a possible dragon. Hmm. Um. The, was this Morgan Erp Clinton? I imagine Virgil. this would be
0: more like a uh, like a wyvern.
2: Um. So the picture that they have here is that the the arms are detached from the wings. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, either dragons, wyverns. Anyways, just word for word. This is page twenty three of this book here. Uh farther south in is Tombstone, an eighteen hundred boomtown. That was the location of the famous gunfight of the OK Corral, a shootout between the Clanton gang. You know, I'm just going to skip that.
3: Yeah.
2: According to Mysteries and Miracles of Arizona by Jack Cutts, two cowboys rode into tombstone on June 7th, 1890, with the skin of what they claimed to be a giant flying lizard they'd killed outside of town. The cowboys chased the beast on horseback before shooting and killing it. The dragon measured 92 feet feet long, just like you said, mm-hmm. with an 80-foot wingspan and 8-foot long head and eyes, the size of dinner plates, just like you said. The Cowboys claimed the battle was captured in April 26, 1890. Well, in there you the go. Tombstone so this this is Epitaph newspaper, right? So that
0: would be afterwards, right? This is after they went back and they got the skin.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's crazy. So there, there's a couple options there. Uh, dragons, which, I mean, if you look at a Quetzal... Right. If anybody listening to this is unfamiliar with what a Quetzal looks like, go and do a Google search real quick. Or play Arc. Or play play the video game (laughs) Arc. And you'll be very familiar with what a Quetzal looks like. And you can kind of look at this and be like, well, you know, if I was in the 1980s and the word I best had to describe a reptile that was able to fly and was giant. Yeah. Would I call this a dragon? I'm sure so. But no, I I, because so many people uh, will claim that anything in the sky, you know, there are tons and tons of reports of pterodactyls in the sky
3: Mm -hmm.
2: all throughout the United States, North America, and even in other parts of the country or other parts of the world. Um, There's some really famous ones in other parts of the world. I think that the the conversation and the stories about these flying reptiles belong in an episode about the thunderbird because of how much they coincide or how much the terms are mixed together when it comes to anything flying.
0: Hmm. Well, in that case I'll just have to scrap this episode and we'll reshoot it.
2: <laughs> no, I think you're good, dude. I think you're good. That was a that was a that's a really good one. Um really really good thing to bring to the table right there. I like that.
0: Now I liked it too. I liked um, that it was an original source, a picture of an original source, which I, like I said, when I first um, got on the website that was describing this, I was like, okay, whatever. And then I just did a Google search of it and I looked up the tombstone epitaph or epitaph, uh, Thunderbird. And it literally got on a link where it had a picture of the newspaper page, and I was like, "This is crazy." Did they have a picture of it? No, no, wow. it's just uh, it's just written down. I'm curious, honestly, about you know the. It seems like in your book you got the follow up story. If they had a picture of it, I know that there is a picture that if people look up Thunderbird or I'm sure Cowboy. Uh, Teratorn, they'll find a picture of what looks to be a black and white picture of a bunch of cowboys holding up a pterodactyl. And although that picture surfaced for the first time in the 1950s, and it's claimed that it is an original, you know, picture of a actual pterodactyl that was shot down, it certainly looks very fake. It looks it as, if, as if it's supposed to be something else, and they were in fact holding something. Um, and then they just doctored it to make it look like they were holding a pterodactyl. That's
2: not the picture I, I was thinking.
0: Never mind. But yeah, so, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a really cool find. Like, it was, you know, I'm inter- interested in all that sort of old stuff. So it's like, it was comparable to a, uh, this last weekend, me and me and Whitney went over to uh, was it the uh, Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, and we took a picture in front of the Bonnie and Clyde death car, like comparable to that type of stuff, old newspaper clippings and everything. So, being able to see that from you know the really the start of you know the western portion of the United States, which is Tombstone, Arizona, when it first came around, was super cool, hmm. but. Like like I said, I don't know if there is any truth to that. Uh, the article that I was reading was talking about, you know, let's be honest, Tombstone was at that point um, dying as a city that the the mine that was really popular right there had flooded and it had been cut off, and if they were doing something to, say, bring people into the area— a story like this would certainly do it but there was none of that there wasn't any follow-up like that there wasn't like it was today where scientists rush into the area to go and investigate and then the tourism booms up the economy it just didn't happen so i don't know i don't know if that lends anything to it being you know some sort of truth to this that, hey, we're not reporting something to just try to draw people over to this area. We're reporting it because it, it just happened. Or these people just claim that this happened to them. And then a follow-up story where they bring you know the the massive tanned hide back or whatever. So I don't know. It's worth looking into for sure. <laughs> and I, certainly... just did a, I just did my own little quick Google search, mm-hmm.
2: uh, image search of the Quetzal. Because I'm I'm familiar with the one from Ark, to you know, just to be honest <laughs> with you. So I'm looking at size comparison pictures, and they have this thing standing, damn near, or if not, just slightly shorter, than a fully grown giraffe when it's uh, when it's walking yeah. around on all fours, which is I'm talking about the Quetzal, by the mm-hmm. way. If anybody's curious, what I'm talking about, um, and and that that would have a wingspan close to what the men were, I mean, 92 inches or 96 inches. That is from head to toe. That's a, that's a lot of bird, man. <laughs> that's a lot of bird. Yeah,
0: 96 feet or 92 feet, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. like it. Well, and keep in mind, too, is that what we know about the Quetzal, the only thing we know about the Quetzal or Quetzals is pulled from archeological digs Mm -hmm. or paleontological, paleontologist digs, you know, whatever, finding their dinosaur bones. (laughs) It's the only thing that we have to go off of. So if these things could get way bigger than that, we have no idea if the biggest one we've ever found was as tall as a giraffe. Yeah. So honestly, all of that is up in the air. Like we can tell you today that the average, you know, elephant gets to be this big because we have enough elephants to say this is their adult size but everything we know about dinosaurs comes from bones so as far as their mass and we can make really dang good guesses and as far as their size we can make really dang good guesses and maybe you know hey we keep finding ones that are this size then it's probably likely that that was their adult size right but if we've only found a few of them And at least the tallest one that we have is the the height of a giraffe with a wingspan of, you know, however many feet. What's to say that wasn't a juvenile? And that's just all that we've found, right? Right. So it's like, it's really kind of a toss-up right there. Could the size of a Quetzal gotten to a point where it was, you know, from the front of its beak to its butt was 92 feet and its wingspan was 180 feet. Sure. Why not? How do we know that it couldn't have kept growing from there or its lifespan couldn't have been a hundred (laughs) years or something
2: crazy? Especially, especially if they were flightless. I think that if, if they were flightless that this whole argument for the Quetzal becomes much more likable Mm-hmm. Because they they even like you said they they did say that this thing looked like it was tired, right? So mm, yeah. maybe maybe these things flew very short distances, like a chicken. Yeah, you know. Hmm. Yeah, or turkey. Yeah, or another bird that also flies very short distances. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Penguins, yeah, I've seen yeah, them but no. very short distances. If you, almost, if you almost them. as if they don't fly at all. It's crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, man, go ahead, keep going.
0: All righty. So now we're into the a a gooder topic, one that Jeremy will appreciate, and this is prehistoric like animals. Yeah, gooder. So, what could this creature be? And we're looking into prehistoric animals. Obviously, they're known as thunderbirds but what animals do we know of that that exist or existed that fit the bill? Well, there are several current living large predatory birds that fit a lot of the descriptions, and also there's several extinct species as well. In the living animals category, we have the African crowned eagles or Andean condors. And maybe if those had escaped from zoos, they would be responsible for several of the sightings. The African crowned eagle has brown head feathers, a four-foot-tall white and black body with thick legs and very sharp talons. They can weigh up to ten and a half pounds and have a six-foot wingspan. Aldean condors are four feet tall and weigh up to 33 pounds and can have a wingspan of 12 feet in some individuals. These are more like the descriptions of Thunderbirds, as males have a white collar around their necks and black feathers, and they also have bald heads. They are believed to be the largest flying birds in the world. Only about 100 Andean condors live wild throughout the world, with nearly 6,700 in captivity. These birds make their nests on cliffs and have been observed nesting as high as 5,000 meters or 16,000 feet. The Californian condor, believed to be the largest flying bird in North America, has a wingspan of nine feet. Although these birds are black and lack a white collar, it's possible that if the Illinois Thunderbird incident is true, being that Ruth had mentioned a white collar, then either it would have been two escaped Aldean condors or a new species between the two. It's doubtful that if, a condor, if it was a condor, that would have been able to lift a child that was twice its weight. And maybe that was added as fluff to the story. So those are the the two that it could be, the ones that we know exist. I do like the idea of the Aldean condors escaping from zoos, because we have a lot of dang zoos around the United States. And one thing that they really like is birds, because birds are easy to keep, they don't eat a lot, They don't need a tremendous amount of space. Like the bird cages and stuff, you can fit a lot of different types of birds in there. And all those giant or colorful birds from around the world make really good attractions. You know, elephants are cool too, but elephants need a heck of a lot of space. They need a heck of a lot of food. So every time I go into a zoo, I oftentimes see way more bird or reptile exhibits than I do large animals. Unless they have like a safari park type thing. But I have seen Aldean condors in most of the zoos that I've visited. And if a couple of these escaped and they hung out together and then attacked a kid, it would make sense to me, honestly. Well, we'll talk about it. (laughs) And that wraps that up. All right, now let's get into the one that Jeremy's waiting on, and this is the extinct birds and flying reptiles that are good candidates for the Thunderbird. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Teratornus, which is Greek for monster bird, is a name given to an extinct family of giant birds that died out during the Ice Age. There are four different birds that are considered Teratorns, and we'll look at three of them. There's Teratornus Mariami. It had a wingspan of 14 feet. And its cousin, Aeolornis credibilis, had a wingspan of 18 feet. These predators are theorized to have looked just like a larger version of today's vultures. Though most of the skeletal structures of these long-dead winged monsters have been found in the Labria tar pits in California, the bones have been found across the United States. There's one other, though. And if it's still living, it'd be honestly terrifying, and that is the Argentavis magnificens. This bird stood 5 feet tall and had a wingspan of 20 to 26 feet and a weight of about 160 pounds. It was the largest flying bird by weight to have ever existed that we know of. Although it probably preferred to scavenge food, that doesn't mean that it could not have made a snack of an unsuspecting early human. In the reptile category... We just talked about the Quetzal, which had a forty-foot wingspan, or the pterosaurs with twenty-three-foot wingspans and a three-foot head and forty long, sharp teeth. However, with the exception of the nineteen eighty or eighteen ninety Tombstone, Arizona story, and those pretty much describing a pterodactyl, these descriptions don't fit a general accounts of most thunderbirds. But yeah, that's what we have to go off of as far as extinct birds go. I think that the Teratorns definitely fit the bill, certainly with wingspans of 18 feet and 14 feet. And, geez, I hope there isn't a flying Argentavis out there. (laughs) But I would think that if it would be anything that could pick up these kids, it would have to be a... "Quote unquote extinct bird that could still exist in small numbers." Well,
2: let's get uh, let's get no talk Jeff's opinion in here real quick. Sorry, I I don't know
1: anything about this, so I'm just kind of listening. But I, I, <laughs> this, this is so far outside of his wheelhouse. <laughs> I, yeah, it's so far out. But I, you know, I like to live on the fringe, and um, I like to think that there is possibilities of some ex- extinct prehistoric giant bird type creature that still exists out there i mean i don't see why it couldn't be the case there's just so much empty land out there you know and in dense forests and mountains and all that shit so you know i'm like just kind of perusing through random images of giant birds and extinct birds and things like that and i'm like dude man Let's go find one. That's all I can think. Like, let's just let's be the guys who find one of these
0: things. things. Not. What? Why is Come the government hiding man. these from us? You
1: know. Well, why do they hide <laughs> anything from us, man? Don't get me started. Don't get me fired up. Also, dinosaurs aren't real. Just to go back a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I said flying reptiles, not dinosaurs. So nothing we've talked Fair about enough. so far has been a dinosaur. They've all been flying reptiles. Well, you were talking flying about flying reptiles, uh, not real. You were talking about the bones. I mean, look. There it's in the La Brea Tar pits, and that's like fifty minutes south of me. I can go and check out the La Brea Tar pits and look at the museum and be like, Yep. I'm there's sure. bones. Even though most sure. of them are plaster casts anyway, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> they very I, I... in case people didn't know this, the dinosaur bones you see in the museums, very rarely, unless it's a very popular dinosaur or prehistoric animal that they have a tremendous amount of Mm. bones for very rarely are those actually bones. Those are plaster casts of the bones. They're painted to look like the bones and the bones are somewhere in a lab getting studied. Like those are just a representation of them. They don't, they aren't actually there. I was going to say they don't actually exist. Now I'm not going to feed into Jeff's shenanigans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I sent you guys a picture.
0: Mm, oh no a picture yeah
2: in facebook i'm gonna go ahead and uh i'm gonna save this and make sure that this gets updated a few days after the release of this episode on facebook and twitter and all that other good stuff because this is a really good picture Mm -hmm. of exactly what we're talking about the quetzal the Big bird that's a giant, huge
0: bird dude and a big old dragonfly too Imagine that thing latching yeah. on your
2: face. Oh man! The Gross.
0: <clears throat>
2: Anyways, so are are you done, Jake? Yeah, yep. That's okay. it. So we can get into final thoughts and everything, right?
0: Yeah, let's talk about this whole thing. Let's break it down. Suppose the All truth. Right. So
2: it's an Argentavis. Davis. <laughs> I, I I I can't be uh, I can't be convinced that it's anything else. Here's what I did really quick while you were talking. I did some math. Okay. And I don't know if this is exactly how this goes, if this is how it works in nature or whatnot, but I'm just kind of doing this in a whim. Okay. okay? So the average weight of a bald eagle is eight to 12 pounds. Mm -hmm. Right. And you said, that the argentavis was 160 pounds. Yep. Okay. So eight to twelve. I just round. I just went to ten. Right. Mm-hmm. That is one sixteenth of the weight of an argentavis. Mm-hmm. Now the lift, the lift strength of a bald eagle, is four to five pounds. So if I simply go sixteen times four. In 16 times 5, I get an estimated lift power of the Argentavis. And again, this is not science. I'm not a rocket <laughs> doctor or any of the, that weird shit, right? So this is just an estimate. This is just for fun. Let's have let's have a laugh at this, right? 64 pounds when times by 4, and 80 pounds when times by 5. Simple math. How much does an average ten-year-old kid weigh? You said around seventy pounds. Seventy pounds, yeah. Right. This is sixty-four to eighty, and let's say like this thing was having a, a horrible time trying to get this thing lift, get this kid lifted off the ground. That's because mm. the max weight is right there, dead center. Now, I know that there could be embellishment in the Lawndale incident. I do. But there are multiple um, witnesses to this event. It's not just his mother. There were other people present that day. Other people heard the cries of the child, ran out, saw this creature, this animal, this flying bird-like creature, black with a white ring around its neck. Looks like a a typical uh, vulture, like what you think of when you think of a vulture. It's got that that ring around its neck and it's got the ruffled feathers. This is what the Argentavis what is thought to be. It's thought to be an oversized vulture that not only was able to feed on carrion dead meat, right. but also did some hunting <laughs> itself as well. So I think that if this had to be something, this has to be an Argentavis. The Lawndale incident. Here's okay.
0: the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is that his mother said that each wing was probably four feet long. So this was a small one. It didn't weigh 160 pounds if it was an Argentavis. Either way. again, well, I mean, look, I think that most of... I think that the average person probably has a really difficult time gauging the size of things when it's up in the sky and there's nothing to base it off of. You can you can look at a tree and something next to a tree and probably gauge the size of it. You know, if someone says, I see a big foot and it's probably nine feet tall, looking at, you know, a tree next to it, you could probably give a pretty good estimate on how tall something is. But when it's completely separated, there's nothing around it, like in the sky it's probably incredibly difficult to actually gauge the appropriate size. Like, if something is, you know, I don't know, half a mile up in the sky, can you accurately say, well, that thing's probably 100 feet wide? You know, or depending on the size of the object, you know, all those sorts of things, how close it is, how far away, it's probably really difficult. But close to the ground, it'd be a lot easier to say, like, my dinner table that I'm sitting at right now because, uh, well, for the listeners, my uh, <laughs> my office flooded. We had a pipe burst in the wall, so that's getting taken care of. But my dinner table is four feet long. If I saw a bird and it had a wing the length of this dinner table, I could be like, yeah, that's a four-foot-long wing. The difference between a four-foot-long wing and a, say, like a 10-foot-long wing for a 20-foot wingspan bird or whatever is huge it's a tremendous distance when you're right up on it so i'm not disagreeing with you that this would have to be an argentavis which would be something that could lift a heck of a lot more even if it was in a smaller size because the muscle structure would be different the bone density would be different because it would have to support its own weight but if a If just based off of that sort of math, a full-grown Argentavis could lift up a little bit more than the boy, then a juvenile Argentavis would not have been able to lift him up, even two feet up off the ground. So that's why I think that that whole lifting up thing, I have no doubt that the squabble went from one point in the yard to the other point, and that was about 35 feet. But I don't right. think that the kid was lifted up off the ground. I think that maybe the birds were pulling him pretty hard and the mom was trying to fight off the birds. And in that struggle, the the distance that they traveled was 30, 40 feet. But I don't think that they lifted him up off the ground. I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure they scratched the heck out of him. I'm sure that, you know, his... He has... There's a lot of validity to the story. But it stops when it comes to them lifting him up off the ground now right. there was two of them so maybe both of them had him and they they were together able to do it i mean sure okay you know we could we could add to it we can take away from it you know all that sort of stuff we can talk about the story ad nauseum and just keep going and going and going but i think that it was embellished but at the same time i still think that it happened and i still think That given the evidence that I I researched and what we have today versus what used to exist or may still exist, that if this was anything, especially all the various sightings, most of them, like the lady that said that she saw the bird fly over the road and the wingspan was as wide as the road, well, that's wider than any large predatory bird that exists today that would have to be in the realm of these quote-unquote extinct birds, these uh Teratorns. So I agree that I'm in the boat of saying that in the same way we say Bigfoot, you know, just a small population of them, and as Jeff has mentioned in another episode, and I saw when I was, me and my wife were driving cross-country from Virginia to California, most of the United States is empty. You know, whether it's The land is owned by the National Park Service or it's just large, huge, gigantic ranches or it's just miles and miles and miles of public land. Most of the United States is empty. You know, most of the populations in the United States are on the in the coastal cities. The whole Midwestern area is pretty much empty. You know, the forest areas are pretty much empty. Anywhere there's steep inclines and mountainous areas, there may be some speckled cabins, but it's mostly empty, you know? So there would be plenty of space for even a 26-foot-long, you know, wingspan bird to exist in and not be bothered by anybody, probably for its entire life, and maybe occasionally swoop over a an area and, and somebody sees it while they're driving by. You know, so that, to me, would make sense. But, yeah... I don't think for the Lawndale incident that those birds lifted him up off the ground. But I still think that he was attacked by something that probably was not something that we know of today to exist.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to give this like a if I had to do a percentage, I'm going to say I'm like 15% there's probably some giant birds that exist that we just, you know, they're just not documented, they're not found, you know, the the dead ones get eaten by shit. Um, Like (laughs) you are saying, they they could probably be flying around in rural-ass areas, but you can't really tell because how you're going to judge the height of some, or the size of something, you know, against the sky. So I think there's like a 15% Mm -hmm. chance that some giant birds still exist out there that we think is extinct or maybe it was just never discovered. The rest of it, I'm just going to chalk up to probably just stories um, like myths or, or some kind of lore that's just carried on, you know, because if you know, there's all these ancient stories, Native American stories, all these things. And then, of course, you got these people who come over here and they get the stories from these people and then they probably embellish them, and make their own stories. So I think it's mostly probably that. But there's still a chance that there's some giant creature out there, I think.
2: Hmm. So, I did <laughs> a little bit more research. Um, In so being this time, this... <laughs> no Google. Okay. Um, Good. It, I, I looked at this Andean <laughs> condor.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I'm gonna have to reverse and say that if she was saying that these that each wing was roughly four feet long, the Andean condor has a ten foot wingspan. Yeah, maybe this could have been something that escaped from a zoo. I'm on board with that. I think that you know what? I want to start something new with these cryptid episodes. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to have fun with this. I have a point scale that I that I drew up the other day, <laughs> and I want you guys. I'll start first, right? Mm-hmm. I'll do it. I'll go, I'll go first. I have a point scale from one to five where we're going to rank cryptids at the end of cryptid episodes. Hmm. One being no does not exist. Two is leaning. No. Three is it's really tough to say. Four is it did exist. And five, it exists now. This creature exists and you can find it now or not necessarily you can find it, but. It exists Mm -hmm. to this, to this day, this is a creature Bigfoot. Okay. This is Bigfoot.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) All right. I'm going to go with a four. I think that the Thunderbird did exist. I don't think that due to all the open space in the United States, that there could be a breeding population of gigantic birds in the United States. I think the only places that it could be possibly is very cavernous areas Mm -hmm. such as the Southwest, um, the the Rockies and possibly along the Appalachians. That would be pretty much it. If there were any extremely giant birds, Mm -hmm. because this, I mean, People see the the smallest of objects in the sky all the time. They see, obviously, you know, people claim to see UFOs in the air all the time that are the size of pinheads mm-hmm. from, you know, extremely far up into the sky. A bird doesn't fly that high. And even a bird flying at its maximum altitude still looks like a bird to us. Mm-hmm. so if we if there's these massive birds flying around, somebody's going to see them, and yes, I know we do get reports. I know that that's what people are reporting is these massive giant birds, but a breeding population of them would be seen more because this isn't like bigfoot. Mm-hmm. This isn't a primate. This isn't something that knows that it has to stay away from humans. This is a predatory animal. That has to go out and find its food and eat probably daily. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a biologist, so I don't know. Um, this is something that you would see a lot more. People would be reporting it. You'd have pictures of this. This would be part of the normal zoological list of known creatures. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that would easily be identified even the most rarest birds in the in the world we have records of we have them in zoos we have people who literally live their lives to track these animals and study them
3: mm-hmm.
2: think of you know one being the shoe crane right right extremely endangered animal uh ugly as all hell yeah <laughs> um but and they're big Mm-hmm. They're I, I don't know if I don't know if they're flightless or not. They look like they're flightless, but we have people that are studying. We have them in captivity. Even them, with the population that we know that exists, are having problems keeping the population numbers up. Right. This mm-hmm. is why these animals are considered endangered.
0: Um, the shoebill crane looks like a prehistoric animal. It does look like a prehistoric animal. It's horribly ugly. <laughs> I think it's cool looking. You know, these things look do you like like the the guardians of the nightmare realm? Honestly, but <laughs> like. um, I think
2: they're hideous. <laughs> I'm actually googling
0: it right now because these I look like the small versions oh, yeah. of the the massive like emus and ostriches that roamed the earth at one point and like ate people and stuff. Right, and you know I'm, I'm not even a hundred percent
2: sure that the shoe bill is even that endangered. I know that they have problems with their populations. Mm-hmm. That I do know.
0: Well the Aldean uh, Condor, 6,700 in captivity and probably a hundred in the world naturally. You know, that right. that is incredibly rare. The reason why there's right. so many in the zoos is because they have to be in the zoos or else they die out.
2: You know? Right. And they can have successful breeding programs in the mm-hmm. zoos and, and whatnot. So Obviously, we know that the Argentavis existed. This is a a bird that's big enough to where it could have flapped its wings and made the sound of thunder when it flew overhead. That's where Mm -hmm. the name the Thunderbird came from, right? Is that when this when a giant bird such as the Thunderbird flew overhead of of the early settlers and, and natives and made the sound of thunder, which which they thought brought thunder mm-hmm. and storms this is something that we know existed the argentavis did exist did it is it still alive i don't think so are there giant birds like big birds that are people are confusing because like you said people are really bad at looking at something in the sky and and knowing how big it is yeah i i think that's mostly what we're seeing now what really does open my eyes and this might be a shocker is that uh, people see Tyrandons. I I think that that is absolutely wild. They're not so common in the United States, although people do claim to see them, and there was a picture. I, I can't find it. I already tried to look for it.
0: I would assume because they are flying reptiles, they would have to be in more warm climates.
2: You would think humid, warm.
0: Yeah. Maybe, like, more near the equator and stuff is where they'd probably be more visible or jungle-type areas, but yeah.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm i not going to go ahead and try to guess the country that I'm trying to think of because I don't want to be rude. Eventually, we'll we'll get to that mm-hmm. in the infinite rabbit hole, uh, and we'll, you know, that, that creature will have its time to shine, and we'll have all the facts in front of us that we're not spitting out a whole bunch of false facts. Like I probably already did in this episode. I don't want to keep doing that (laughs) shooting from the hip. So I'm going to go with a solid four. Mm -hmm. I, I I can't explain it any other way. I, I, I think that this is something that did exist. And if there are populations still of it, that the, they are extremely small and with it, like I, I would even say that the last generation of argentavis or you know whatever could be considered a Thunderbird is gone by now i I don't think that that we're seeing anything like let's just say that the lawndale incident what year was that? do you have
0: that in front of you uh nineteen seventy seven
2: so even in nineteen seventy seven you're talking about you know forty fifty years right fifty right. years. Forty-five years. I I, I don't know the, the the lifespan of an argentavis, but you would think it'd probably be less than that.
3: Mm-hmm. I,
2: I I just I I think that when the settlers first came here, maybe there was a few left over, mm-hmm. ones and twos, right? But they're long gone now.
0: What was the one for? It used to exist. Four. Four. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go for a four then too um and it here's here's why i'm going to change change it up a little bit from what i was kind of insinuating during the longdale incident kind of explanation um i think that because i believe that they existed alongside early humans and i'm not talking about neanderthals and stuff like that i'm talking about people right i don't i don't think we evolved from anything that we we've always looked like this you know we've just developed technology around us but I think that, um they were here with us. Certainly something happened that caused a massive die out as well as all animals that we had. Maybe it was hunting, I don't know. Um, but I think that the oral traditions of them just carried on, that in the same way the Native Americans, native uh you know North Americans, South Americans, whatever had stories of known animals all the time uh to explain natural occurrences. I think the thunderbird was just mixed up in that. There's no reason for me to believe that or to I guess disbelieve that a you know what I'm saying that a uh giant predatory bird wouldn't eat the occasional person, you know, and they would have <laughs> stories of that. But then there's the embellishment portion of it, which is like a Thunderbird picking up a killer whale up out of the ocean and carrying it off to its nest. All right. You know, so but I think that when they existed together, when we existed with them, that there was a lot of stories and that, that was just carried on along along with other other um stories and stuff until it was eventually written down and it's like, oh, well, we have to preserve this and Um, I think that there may have been some truth to the more early sightings. And I'm not exclusively saying Argentavis. It could have been the other ones uh, as well, the other two. But that eventually just died off. And that today, because, I mean, we really don't know, you know, animals that are all we can find from them remaining is bones and the imprints of feathers. We really don't know what their color was. So they could have looked exactly like today's vultures. You know, they could have had uh, the same uh, white ring around their neck as the Aldean condor. It literally could have looked exactly the same except huge, right? So I think that today we just have people that are dealing with escaped animals, dealing with you know, things that actually exist right now. And I mean, they're, even Aldean condors are giant birds. They're huge. They're absolutely gigantic. You know, and if you scrub a 10 foot wingspan and say a 15 foot wingspan, I mean, even still, you know, given the real numbers, it's still a huge bird. It's got a wider wingspan than I do, and I'm six one. you know? So I think that, uh, I think that current, events are mistaken identity and i mean i don't know the temperament of these birds i don't know if they're known to you know aldean condors if they're known to attack people if they get territorial all that sort of stuff i have no idea Um, but if they are then i could see why if some of them flew out of the of the cage while it was being cleaned out by the zookeeper and then the next person they see they attack or they set up camp somewhere and then someone gets in that area and then they attack them i could see that but yeah so i think that they did exist at some point but nowadays it's just the small populations that are seen it's just escaped giant birds that are currently existing but that this certainly had some truth to it at some point
1: yeah i got to go with afi got to go with a 4 unfortunately i don't have like a super in-depth reason for that i guess I, this like you said earlier this is totally out of my wheelhouse so i apologize to all the listeners for me not chiming in too much um it's definitely interesting uh i i just don't know shit about big birds man I, birds aren't real uh um, <laughs> birds aren't real, birds oh, yeah. aren't real. That's, true. Boy, <laughs> that's a big they're, camera
0: they're massive <laughs> drones yeah
1: Oh, that's funny. You know, I you know, like I said before, I think that there's a, a small chance that there is something out there, but I'm I'm more along, leaning into like uh, maybe it's just an old, extinct creature that there's just stories and fables of, and that's it, man. That's all I really got. To be honest with you.
3: All right, I'm basically well, used on the topic. You got Jeff.
1: Thank you, you got Jeff. Sorry, man. <laughs> all Don't <right>. worry. Next <laughs> week, I'm pretty sure he's gonna have a lot to say. Yeah, I got you guys in the future. This one is like I said, this is just this, you know, it's interesting. It's just nothing I've ever looked into, so I got nothing.
0: All right, let's read this outro real quick. So then what do you think? Are these accounts, stories, and legends based off of mistaken identity? Are they just fanciful stories conjured up in the imagination to provoke fear, entertainment, or a heartfelt message? Or is there some disturbing truth to all of this? Maybe a small group of monster birds and pockets of uninhabited wilderness survived a mass die-off of all gigantic creatures that once roamed this hostile planet. This is one for you to decide for yourself as a listener. You should hit us up. If you think that we're wrong, if you think that we're stupid, you can hit us up on all of our social medias, you can email us and tell us why, and come on and explain it. We'd love to hear your opinions. Yeah. What'd you guys think? I love cryptids.
2: So (laughs) anytime we get to talk about a cryptid, always down, always happy to do so. I wish that I had some time to put in some effort into, you know, bringing a little bit more to this, to the table for this episode as well. Jake, you did a great job. I'm very impressed with the the research that you did. Um, But I don't know if anybody can hear it in my voice. I'm I, I'm waiting on my COVID test right now, <gasps> and uh, yeah, you're gonna my, give your computer a uh, virus. I'm gonna give it to everybody. Um, I've been down, uh, hard down for for a couple of days now. So you know, I, I wasn't well prepared. We had already put this episode off, you know, shoot, almost a week now, right, mm-hmm. and enough was enough. We just have to get it done. And, you know, forgive me for doing a lot of the research during the episode today. Usually I'm, I'm a little bit better than that. Uh, so I just want to apologize to anybody who was like, why is he doing research in the middle of the episode when he, you know, bitches and complains about that stuff all the time.
0: Well, <laughs> it's
2: because you're a loser. Because I'm a loser. Can't,
0: can't be counted know. on for anything. For nothing.
2: Um, <laughs> So, Fucking government shills, uh, man. You know. <laughs> I I love the topic of the Thunderbird. Uh, don't let my answer at the end of the episode fool you. This is something that I'm very interested in. And just because I believe that they no longer exist doesn't mean that they don't.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay? this yeah, is just We don't know nothing. We're just talking. No, we don't. We're
0: armchair investigators. That's right. <laughs> um, Someone's going to come at us again about the national parks and national forests. Yeah, they'd be whatever. like, they be like, you don't know, you don't know anything. I've seen the Thunderbird. I've had tea time with a Thunderbird, and be like, okay, well, I have not. Yeah,
2: if you guys don't know, we uh, every once in a while we'll get one of those emails from somebody who listened to the show, and they're like, oh, you guys don't know shit. Like, <laughs> okay, I love those ep- those emails. They're they're fun. I, I I think they're fun, but at the same time, you know, I I, I wish people would understand. Like, we're just we're people sitting down talking about cool subjects giving our opinions on it mm-hmm. you know if you, if you want to give your opinion on a topic come on to the show it's always open yeah. you know we we have never said no to somebody so sorry I didn't put too much into it uh Jake carried this entire episode thank you Jake mm-hmm. um and not to mention I've also been putting any effort that I can conjure up into the season finale which is going to be very very huge episode huge huge <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and hit the mute button and let Jake talk us out of this episode sorry I'm still having trouble catching my breath
0: and uh, I'm all gonna right we're all here for you, you bud here. yeah thanks and yeah Jeremy made me do this episode tonight I didn't want to do this episode I I don't know if people can tell. I'm actually crazy tired. I haven't been sleeping very well these last couple of days. A lot of stuff going on in the uh, in the in Jake's household. Um, a lot of craziness. But uh, in any case, I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope that you know I left you guys with some sort of uh, new information. You know, I don't know how many of our listeners. You guys will have to let us know how many of you guys know a lot about the subjects we're already talking about if you're learning anything uh we can see it from the reviews sometimes people will hit us up and say yeah i actually like learn stuff i i'm entertained you know all those sorts of things just keep those things coming we love it but we're doing this for you guys you know even though life happens on our end too uh we still want to create good entertaining content for you guys that maybe you'll learn something maybe you'll leave scratching your heads maybe you'll Get a new appreciation of the world around us, and you know the animals that exist in it, and or not, you know maybe they're they're prehistoric and they're all dead. I don't know, or they don't exist, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this has been another episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time as we dive into. Can I say it, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, as we dive into Indrid Cold, our Very cool, very exciting season finale. We can't wait to see you there. But for now, that's all. We'll see you at the next uh, Path in the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Bye. 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 There it is. Thank you.
2: On purpose,